What's up, guys? I am Caleb Giddings. I'm Keith. And I'm Jack. And this episode is brought to you by Taurus USA and Guns.com. Are you looking for all the latest cool new guns from Taurus USA that we launched at SHOT Show? Good news, you can buy them online at Guns.com. Ta-da. Yeah, Spons I know, right? It's happy. fantastic. It's uh, it's so much easier, and I'm not going to lie, that's so much easier than editing in a banner sometimes. Um, and anyway, so this week's episode uh, actually was generated from the conversation Jack and I were having uh, prior to me hitting the record button, and I need to put my watch on silent mode because that's going to drive me nuts. There we go. All right, so prior to me hitting the record button, uh, Jack and I were talking about fanboys and why they're so terrible. And it's not, you know, and I mean, you kind of have to like look at what, like, there's definitely different levels of fanboy, right? Like, oh, there's 100%. like, there's 100%. like casual fanboy where it's like, I am a, you know, when I think of a fanboy, I think of someone who is un, who is a fan of a thing to an unreasonable degree. But the level a, of that—that's a really un- good definition. That's a really yeah. good definition of a fanboy or fangirl. They're—they are a fan to an unreasonable degree, beyond beyond, beyond normal expectation, beyond anything that could be attributed normally. And now, I think gonna... what makes that fan that that like what, when a fanboy transitions from like fun to like obnoxious is how far they take it. Right, like, because you can be a fan of a thing to an unreasonable degree and still be a perfectly fun person to hang out with. Let let me give you a good sign of when you're starting to become a a toxic fanboy. You're watching a YouTube video, and then you feel the need to comment on it because of something that got terribly wrong. That's a pretty good example. (laughs) You could have just stopped it. You're watching a YouTube video, and um, and you decide to comment anything more than a quick wholesome. Ah, that was fun, or or. Oh, hey, really cool fact. Like, I here's what I love. I love when I say something and I see one person in the group of people that I'm looking at do this. Or like perk up and they're like, this person has a fun fact or a fun story. And it's like, oh man, I'm a huge fan of that, blah, blah, blah. And they give me this wholesome little detail that I get to take, and now it's mine too, and we get to share in that. Here's what I hate to see. <laughs> Well, you know, right, accompanied with them pushing up their glasses or yeah, whatever they, it is, they are the reason bullying actually, happened. yeah. If you got bullied in high school, it's because you're one of these guys, yeah, or just because people ever everyone gets bullied in high school. Let it go for, for the record. If you ran down the hallway during doing the Naruto, Naruto, you I don't I never it. know, I yeah, I never knew where to put the emphasis, which syllable to emphasize in that Naruto, Naruto. All right, so. If you ran down the hallway doing the run from that show, you deserve to get bullied. And you're also probably a fanboy to a gross degree at this point in your life. If the bullying didn't take, if the bullying did take, you're fine. And you're probably normal, but you have like um, maybe an unhealthy obsession with Akira. Well, that, that every- I mean, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of anime. Um, I, I, so I do want to say, if we're going to talk about fanboys and we're going to bring up Naruto, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, in the inner city, there are a lot of gangs that are very big fans of Naruto. So I've I seen have... some real gangster dudes with a ninja headband doing stuff, and I'm like... I would really love... Nobody like, gonna... 
I would really love for like an actually qualified inner, inner city crime anthropologist crossover. Yeah, I would like I would love for someone who's like a cultural anthropologist who like actually understands these things to do like an actual academic examination of the intersection of anime culture and gang culture in America because it's real. It exists and I don't understand it at all. Like I don't that, that, we that would have be a, a we have a cultural anthropologist on staff at our company. We do. <laughs> we do. Steve is like we, we do? do. Ask 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 Mac and Allie what his degree is in. Oh no kidding. Well, anyway, <laughs> so we're gonna have, we'll bring him on for another episode and we can talk about something that yeah. literally three people will care about. Today <laughs> hey, we're it, it's our podcast. We it is it is our podcast. <laughs> Today, so what brought this on was uh, I ran one of my biggest pet peeves in my internet circles are fanboys of uh, GIGN, Gigan, the French counterterrorism unit. And one, of, I, one of the French care. One of the French counterterrorism units. The one that's the most famous because they were in Counter Strike. Let's be honest. Yeah. That was. And Rainbow uh, Six Siege. And Rain, yeah, but I never played Siege. I just played Counter Strike. So. Um, they were in Counter-Strike, they were in Rainbow Six Siege, and everybody thinks they're great, and that's fine. But here's the problem that I have with these people. One, to Jack's point that he made off-air, which we're going to bring up, they're not fans of, like, modern-day gigging, right? Which goes around to, like, places in countries that you've never heard of in Central Africa and just shoots people and it goes home, okay? That that would be kind of – that would be cool. We'll talk about that in a minute. That's that's pretty metal. What, yeah. the, the, they're, they're fans of retro gigging. Yeah, they're fans of retro gigging, and they're always fans of the MR73 as well, which is a fine gun. But they, the way – and the reason why it absolutely drives me fucking bananas is the way they talk about gigging and their stupid training regimen with these revolvers is it makes it sound like that this was the ultimate way to teach people how to fight with a revolver. You know what? Fuck that. Giggin shot like six people with revolvers. LAPD and LASD were putting up six people a week with revolvers back in the 60s and 70s and 80s they were dropping <laughs> OG, OG gunfighters out there fucking jim cirillo shot more people on a tuesday with a revolver than gig had ever fucking shot with revolvers all right so get the entire fuck out of my face with this oh well gig it or the fuck you I don't care. If you want to talk about real, actual, hard-nosed gunfighters who are fucking killing people with revolvers like it was their job because it was... We are not getting monetized on this one. No, We still have a bunch of those people here in this world right now. Scott Reeves is still alive. You can fucking talk to him. For fuck's sakes. Oh, it drives me it just drives me nuts. And then they'll like say some dumb shit they're like poo poo LAPD or LASD or something like that. They're like, well, the NYPD can't shoot. I'm like, some of the NYPD could shoot pretty fucking good. Okay. Pat Rogers could fucking shoot. Let's be clear here. You can't you can't out of, take, out of a forty thousand person organization, the vast majority of any of those people can't shoot. That's fair. That's fair. But, but the guys you, who have to shoot do shoot real good like. Like right. <laughs> they they do again just because <laughs> the stereotype of the beat cop who fires his service weapon once a year for the qual and then just goes back to his business and doesn't know anything about it is oh that car that guy can't shoot no so, I, when you have an NYPD unit that puts up numbers like 53 and zero maybe 
those guys got an understanding of the fundamentals of marksmanship. Right. Again. So Just anyway, that, my 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 least favorite fanboys at this moment in time are Gigan fanboys. So, Be fanboys of modern Gigan. Modern Gigan's fucking cool. Yeah. One, what they're what they're fans of is a gun that these guys use that they can't get a hold of. Right. Because they don't have forty five hundred dollars. It's very expensive. It is the French version of the Python. Let's just just lay it out there. I'm not saying that mechanically they're the same thing. I'm saying culturally they're the same thing. It's like when I say better. When I say, hey, I got this wine. You're like, oh, wine. It's from California. Or if I say, this is French wine. That's all it is, but for 357 Magnum, which is already a caliber that brings out the weird fucking fanboys. Let's start here. Let's continue here. Fucking 357 Magnum in the modern age, very niche purposes. But if you want to come and talk to me about how you've got a 357 something or other, I don't care. You're not impressing me. Maybe when I was 14, I gave a shit about the Magnum denotion and your ability to shoot one. At damn near 40, my grandmother had a 357 Magnum. Not a joke. But when she won her five gunfights, she did those with nine millimeters. Yeah, also not a joke. Jack's grandma's a fucking killer. (laughs) Yeah, you guys grow up in that household. Is that mean you're overwhelmed? (laughs) Uh, Fun fact for the 357 Magnum fanboys, of which I I, I have mentioned, I used to unabashedly believe in, like, the stopping power of the Magnum. Oh, okay, Uh, so does that do something? Can we we own up and say stopping power is a myth, but 357 Magnum does hit really fucking hard. So the, the, both the actual, those things can be true. The actual discussions around that, and you know, the like the smart people in the room that have talked about this, and that I've talked to about this, because I'm not the smart people in the room when it comes to this, because I've never shot someone with a 357 Magnum, so I wouldn't fucking know. But a lot of people that have are very firm believers, and this is something I'm willing to accept. Very firm believers in that one of the advantages of the 357 Magnum was that because of the dramatic effect of making the gun go off, it would be more likely to produce an oh shit, I've been shot reaction in someone versus something that was less dramatic. Now, that I'm I'm willing to accept that that is a probability because if you look at the actual terminal ballistics, in the 9mm do the exact same thing. It just They do the same thing. Right. Same thing. It, it's it's one of those. It it's probably similar. It's a psychological stop. Is is what you're helping produce. It it will also produce a gunshot wound that could stop someone. I will. I will also- at the psychological stop in the same aspect of people get very different attitudes when you pull out a nine millimeter handgun versus whether when you pull out a nine millimeter carbine. It's firing the same ammo. But those are two very different reactions from, oh, here's my, you know, SIG 365 to, oh, here's my MP5. Right. Yeah. Here's my gun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, yes, if you have to pick a 357 Magnum, pick an American one. Because we did way more work with them than those French guys. Also, I'm going to say it. If your training regiment involves your buddy shooting you in the chest... 
You have a weird training regimen. Yeah, pass. Not great. Pass. You, you guys need better shit to wait, do on a Tuesday. Wait, you have run out of good shit to do. If you want to know why the army makes you clean shit, this is why. Because eventually, like, four of you dudes will be like, I don't know if I trust this armor. Only one way to find out, Private. Put it on. Uh, uh, guarantee that's happened. That's the other thing. Happened. Like, we know this that has happened. happened. This, this, this has occurred. Smart, There's it's been paperwork smart, in the background. <laughs> I really, I really hope it has. Someone is going from a yet. sergeant to a specialist very fast. If your training regimen involves doing things that the army would demote you for, maybe you need to find a different training regimen. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, on, on the fanboy conversation, I would also like to add: if you're a fanboy of the 357 Sig, just leave. Just get out of the chat. Get go. out. No one likes you. No. You're not welcome here. You're the butter robot from Rick and Morty. Oh my! What what was my purpose to sell guns to law enforcement agencies that had to have automatic semi-automatics, but were very in love with saying they had three fifty sevens. Yep. That yeah. Was it. So three. Welcome <laughs> to the stream, guys. John Hopman. Hey, it's you know who also are terrible, terrible fanboys. Enigma users, those people. <laughs> Holy shit! If we're gonna it's drag out fanboys, please unblur your background so they don't think we I know. have some Cholo in the background. It looks like we have a no. random Mexican hanging out in the background. <laughs> our Latin King guest spot. Hey, John. When in reality, hey, really he's our Hebrew right. king. So, so like and jujitsu people. Yes. Yeah, no. Oh, jujitsu people. I can't. Dude, look that's at that is an absolute critical core thing of being a toxic fanboy versus just like a fanboy you can stand when it becomes part of your personality. It's not a thing you like anymore. It is a defining part of your identity. It's like when you don't understand I, how quickly jujitsu takes over your life until you do jujitsu, and then. You, you're in the cult. Like, um, that shit, I get it. You're injured. I have other things. <laughs> um, but I can't watch Jiu-Jitsu Girls on TikTok and be like, oh man, she's really cool. She's hot. She's doing technique stuff that I really like. I'm going to follow her. Three videos later, she's like, let me tell you girls how to carry a gun. And I'm like, three, two, one uh, have you ever heard of the filster enigma ha, I'm like, it's all of them bitch heard about it i was in the beta team or it's the reverse oh, it's someone not, with a filster enigma and then four videos later they're sorry. like i just signed up for my first jujitsu class this will, uh, <laughs> this will go up on sunday <laughs> oh it's good times so, yeah. but now hang on having said you know having like talked about like filster enigma fanboys are the worst i can literally oh there's <clears throat> There's there's one in my desk. There's another one, fucking right over here that's got a gun in it. So, all right, so we're back. Uh, and if you <laughs> wonder why we abruptly skipped, it's because Keith did a thing and made my job more difficult. Anyway, uh, we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about fanboys, and you know, obviously, like when we're talking about Enigma fanboys, there's a lot of self roasting in there because. I'm often the first person to be like, hi, I'm here from the cult. Have you heard of the Enigma? So, <laughs> And I, you know, I did this to myself. <laughs> you did. This is entirely self-wrought. <laughs> this is entirely, yeah, this is your fault, John. You did this to yourself. John, but, John hit me up early on in the process of making like. the Enigma. He's like, I'm not sure if these are going to be popular. And I was like, I don't know, man. We'll see what happens. 
my favorite my favorite quote from john about this is he said we were at dinner and he was like i thought i was gonna make like 200 of these for my murder hobo friends and now i'm you know an act i'm a legitimate businessman (laughs) this was not the plan we we appear as legitimate business people right It's, it's a really thin veneer of um artificial professionalism but we right. do it i mean that's been our entire existence too like I mean, i'm starting to feel like that's kind of like you know how like you grow up and you go oh the adults really have it together someday i'm going to be like that and then you get older and you realize that all the adults you know are just kind of like 40 year old 17 year olds and yes. that's just for the rest of your life and i'm starting to kind of feel that way about professionalism <laughs> we were we all just we all just got told at one point in time like i guess this is what you do yeah let's pretend so yeah. if we're going if we're going to go into the self rose part of this and what a, what am i an unhealthy fanboy of uh it's the guns of 2007 delta force uh i Best delta force though i so. i take my 1911 and i tape it down that grip safety um I ran a chest-mounted Glock 19 for a long time in body armor, and uh, I've been looking for a 416D that's not going to break my bank for a long time now. <laughs> I, I like that you... Let's, let's be uh, fair. There's another There's another fan thread there for the 416D. Yeah, there's a yeah, whole, okay. like, <laughs> yeah. that's a whole un- separate un- toxic fandom. Unhealthy Piston AR fans are some of the worst mm, yes <laughs> like uh yeah guys calm down <laughs> you want you want to know why direct gas is still used by all the armed services and why every piston company came out with a di gun <laughs> do you remember when everything was like when everybody was dropping a piston gun and then sales on piston guns tanked and they were like hey remember our di gun that that worked <laughs> I had hey, look, the thing that the thing that works ninety nine point nine six percent as good as the other thing. I had the Ruger piston gun because that was the AR that they launched. I remember when they that. launched yeah. the piston gun. That gun worked once you could get the gas system tuned correctly. But what I remember about it was how fucking heavy it was. Oh, it was, like, it was like an 11 pound AR. It was PT. Like you would like doing up drills with it. Like after like your fourth or fifth one, you're like, why am I so tired? This gun is very not light. Well, you also had to tell people the, the Ruger AR was problematic for one reason. And it was having to tell people that you had a Ruger AR. And then because, you said, no, 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 but it's a piston gun. So it's cool. Yeah, like Ruger fanboys were like, AR, not really what we're here about. Yeah, and really, AR guys were give like, me my, give me my mini 14. We got to get this guy off the line. He's about to report the California kids for having taken the pins out of their mags. Right. Uh, oh, man. You know, speaking of 556 five, piston guns, they're, they're still, a, those uppers still float up for sale oh. new in box every now and again. And usually for like a pretty good price. Yeah, they're not bad. I remember some floating up for like sub $700 a little while back. And uh, they were. Aim Surplus had them. Um, I want to say like four or five months ago, like 50 of them or something popped in stock. And I had to triple take on it. I'm like, there's no way that's the piston upper because they were $599. And I was like, yeah, that's um, where they. That's where maybe I'm gonna. Maybe I'm gonna go get myself a I, I, I also, 
the same gun because Sig made a five five six rifle that wasn't quite an AR fifteen. I'm blanking. The five five two or five fifty. Yeah, they had the five fifty series and they did the five fifty six. Yes, that was it. That was I was trying to remember what they imported that as because that was what John was talking about was the five fifty six. Oh yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking about the five sixteen. No, the, by the way, if you're a fanboy of the Sig five five six, seek help. Yeah, that was. Oh, it. They always was bought it. the five the five five six SWAT edition. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're like, check this out, and I'm like, no, thank you. No, no I'm I would, good. I would like to pass on that, please. Now. You know, if we're talking about things that we are irrationally fanboys of, I'll just hold up my coffee cup that has the Gunsight logo on it. Uh, so, I have. Did they sell you a house when you went there? No, that's the other place. That was, oh, that was the other oh sorry, the sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> the other right guy next with, to each other. Did, not really. One's in Arizona and one's in like Nevada, and is out of business. The Nevada that is the one, same so. state. That is not the same state. <laughs> that is the different same. Different those, those, those four little shithole states down there are the same place to me. Arizona, <laughs> Nevada, New Mexico. Color, the state line doesn't exist. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, like you go from Michigan to Ohio, there's there is a change there. Yeah, one has exploding trains and... No, no, we both have exploding trains now. Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, like, guys. Although, although we we didn't explode it, we just crashed it. So that's it, the most guys. Michigan thing ever, though. Is they're like, wait, Ohio has a, a natural disa- a, a disaster with trains. We want one too. Very <laughs> Michigan. Dare you not share your natural disasters. That's <laughs> very Michigan. No, so I am very much a a, a gunsight fanboy, and I think part of that is one. I've been there a bunch of times, right? And I've been there for training for media events. I've been there as a a guest instructor twice now and i think it there, there's a part of gunsight that is very appealing to the part of me that very much loves the lore of like american gun culture and the lore of like handgun shooting as sort of the only genuinely american martial art and like without gunsight you don't have you, without gunsight you don't have a lot of the things that you have today i'm not saying that we wouldn't have eventually gotten there but there's a real direct lineage back to Gunsight. And I think that it's kind of a bummer because with a lot of the youth these days, they don't necessarily appreciate, God damn it. Anyway, I'm old as fuck. I'm a fud. <laughs> I, I have an IDPA <laughs> vest. Let's just, yeah. Well, okay, but like the, the IDPA vest, I... with, like all of his imagination is in black and white. And in his imagination, he has a mustache and socks that come all the way up his shins. <laughs> I that's not an imaginary thing. I I will frequently rock that mustache and those socks. We've seen, <laughs> we've we've like, seen the stash. Av- aviators and 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 tall oh, socks. And you like, guys haven't seen my new aviators, have you? Like there, a, a, a 1911 Ford of the hips and a leather scabbard. Oh. Mm-hmm. Everything that you're describing is just a vibe. That's that's yeah. just a vibe. It's an immaculate vibe. So I have a new set of aviators from Hunter's HD Gold. We're not a sponsor, but if you would like to be, please hit us up. Uh, and they are aviators with like the yellow lenses in them, but they transition when it's dark outside. They are the most boomer things that I have ever owned in my entire life. And I unironically <laughs> love them. So, so I have uh, an old Polaroid camera and some of the last batch of the peel apart film they ever made. Oh, um, yeah. no, I've got the one with this, the, the film where you have to like peel it apart. Right. Yeah. Um, 
and it takes these great vintage looking photos. And if you have that cosplay ready to go, we can we can take a picture of that that looks authentically like it might have been your dad. It's not even <laughs> cosplay though. It's just clothes that I wear on a cosplay. It's my personality. <laughs> it's who I am. It's more well, toxic fanboy. <laughs> I have this conversation with uh, Alex Sandstone a, a, a number of times where he's like, oh, well, you know, this thing, this thing. Like, Look, some people dress in a costume. Some people dress in clothing. And some people don't know where the blur is. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> there, there are a lot of guys out there dressing like Peaky Blinders who are going to cry the first time someone smacks them in the lip for doing that weird, like, Ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That... It's costume. <laughs> if you're involved in illegal drug and gun running in uh, 1930s England, then it's just your culture. If anybody in a vest tries to fight me, like, if you have a three-piece suit on, that's worse than being shirtless. You're going to catch the L. You're going to lose. <laughs> it's uh, not, not, not a good time. This is not- also your monthly reminder, guys, that the shirtless guy never wins the fight. But also... Neither does the guy in the suit, unless he's John Wick, and John Wick isn't real. Which there's a toxic fandom that uh, I am. I I unironically love the John Wick movies. I know people who have worked on them. You know, I think everybody in this room knows somebody who's so connected to the movie in a professional way. There is a level of John Wick fandom that's fucking gross, and those people need to chill. All right, like first off, you're not Keanu Reeves. You don't fit in that suit as well as Keanu Reeves, and buying a TTIAR does not make you John Wick. If you want a TTIAR because you think it's cool, go right ahead. I will never stop somebody from buying shit just because they think it's cool. But <clears throat> we need to have a conversation about those movies because they're really, 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 really fucking fun, but they're not really, 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 really good. Well, I think that I think the line for whether or not something is unironically cool to you versus when it becomes a toxic fandom is whether or not you arrived there as the result of a search for meaning and purpose in the 21st century like why why are you going to be so smart why john gotta be like bring that fucking big brain in here (laughs) well i mean it it starts to read as kind of obvious like like you could tell when someone has arrived at something as the result of kind of a uh undirected search for something so basically every jordan peterson fan i mean that'll do it (laughs) (laughs) jordan Uh, peterson is like he's toxic at a certain level like if he gets you out of your mom's basement i'm fine with you bro you needed that little that little bit of toxicity to get you going that's cool no issue but if he gets you into andrew tate that's a different conversation. <laughs> right. One, that is the saddest turn of the musical artist Pitbull that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mr. But how any, any person looked at Andrew Tate walking and went, that's the man I want to replicate. Right. He's a hundred. Every story that man told, because I didn't, I didn't know who he was. Until it was like, until it was like four weeks until he was about to be arrested. (laughs) And like the thing he got arrested for, he did a video telling you how to do that. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, that's that's how they got you. That's like 
I mean, that's that's like that's and literally like, hey, I'm gonna make a YouTube video of me sawing the barrel off a shotgun, and then not only am I going to publish it, I'm also going to email it to the ATF with the text <laughs> and, and then you get Come really get me, upset nerds. when they're like, Mr. Giddings, we need to talk to you about this giant pile of evidence. The Matrix is after me. <laughs> right? Giddings, we need to talk to you about your dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, that's why I got rid of the dog, because now the ATF can't shoot my dog. to give a pile of evidence to the ATF. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, no, I think, but that's, so, but to this whole fanboy conversation, I think John's right in that a lot of fanboyism, and this is across all of you know, all of anything, right? You can be a fanboy of anything. I'm sure that there are fanboys of Le Creuset uh, cooking ware, which to be fair, is really awesome. Um, but it's when you have, when you use your fandom as a driver for a meaning in an otherwise, I don't want to say meaningless because that's mean, but. No, when you're, you're deriving extra meaning more than there actually yeah. is. Like, oh, this is a cool thing. It's a fun thing. And you can like it. All of those things are fine. Yeah. I, can, yeah. I got one for you. You know who's the worst? Ferrari F1 fans. Oh, fuck <laughs> you. That's not a... That's just an abusive relationship that I'm in with my television on Sunday mornings. They posted their thing at a team with a new principal and Charles and Carlos. And I'm like, I am absolutely ready to get my feelings hurt again. Let's Aaron fucking do it. Looks like he wants to die already and the season hasn't even started. Their new team principal looks like that um, that dude who's like the kind of like, sm like smiling through the tears meme. Yeah. You know what he looks like? He looks like it's like blink if you're being held against your will. And he's like, yeah, they're blackmailing him into it. Yeah. Which, yeah, being a Ferrari F1 fan is like being in an abusive relationship. But uh, to that point, like, when I think, you know, with the fan, the fanboy commentary, it really is like, if I, if I were to try to figure out where the line is between being a fanboy to, you know, of re like being a fanboy, you're already a fan to an unreasonable degree, but when it crosses over into being gross is how do you, re do you react to criticism of the thing that you like, right? Like if you are a diehard Star Wars fan and you love Star Wars and then someone says, Star I'm not really into Star Wars, it's not my thing, and your reaction to them is to be like, no, here's why you have to like it, you're over the line. You, you, you this is you're well, over the line. I, I, or I, I, if you're... Yeah, right. Like a, a big fan of someone's like, I never really got into it. And then you express like, well, here's here's a, a, a an avenue to potentially appreciate it. Right. Like, mm -hmm. well, they, they don't do that though. Right. Or, or like, you know, let me share my enthusiasm about this with you. I th I think where it becomes toxic is when people are repulsed by someone who doesn't like the thing that they like and offended. That they don't like it. That's it. That was what I was looking for. Was right. Like they take personal offense that someone might not like it. Like with you know, there's a lot of stuff that I'm a unreasonable fan of. And if someone's like, I never got into that, I'm like, I understand. I can I have enough self-awareness to know that if I'm into something, it's probably A, because that thing is weird and I'm also weird along some dimension that I can't transmit to you. But here's why I like it. But it's not like, oh, you don't like Star Wars? Well, 
you know you're you're uncultured swine and i hate you and i will act, i will be actively hostile to really, you i don't know if we could be not. friends anymore yeah <laughs> right if so well i mean and we see you know if we really want to to drag toss a really big net out there we see that in our own second amendment advocacy community where like someone is like oh you don't like guns well i don't want to be friends with you and i'm like I have lots yeah. of friends who don't really care about guns one way or the other, right? Like, who, you know, fucking who cares? It's my thing. It doesn't have to be their thing. Um, so, yeah. I, I would do think... prefer most of my friends not care about guns to the level I care about guns because those conversations are very boring. This yeah. is No joke. This is like my weekly, like, deep dive into gun nerdery conversation. And then, like, and, you know, uh, for people who don't know, I've known John for quite some time. 99% of the things I text John about are like Formula One memes or, you know, stuff that is completely outside of this world that we both live in and we're both very passionate about because sometimes it's nice to not talk about this shit. Well, yeah. here's here's the other thing. If someone is has a um, one-dimensional toxic fan relationship with something, uh, I think... When someone doesn't share that with them, they wind up in a situation where all of a sudden they can't relate to them on any other dimension. Right. Um, yeah, we have to mute Sean right. for a second because uh, someone in the background is possibly discussing very sensitive business yeah. matters. Click, click mute, click mute. <laughs> So, like, if, if, if your whole personality has become about one thing, anytime that someone doesn't reciprocate that, you're stuck in a situation where now you don't have any avenue to relate to them. So instead of acknowledging, oh, my God, I'm one-dimensional and I don't have, like, multiple avenues with which I can relate to people, you withdraw com completely and you push them away so you're not reminded about having accidentally become one dimensional like if someone doesn't share an interest with me you know like guns or, or whatever i at least have maybe one or two other things that i can go oh well let's talk about you Here, know. here's here's uh my interest in science fiction here's my interest in current science here's my interest in what's going on in my state because there's a cool event or there's a festival going on or something like that here are all these other things but you run into that and you run into it, it's not just here it's in a lot of the fan oh, spaces everybody. where they like the one thing and outside that one thing, they all of a sudden like, oh, um, now now I guess we're enemies. How many people go to the gym all the time and can't talk about anything other than working? Oh, God. <laughs> Keto, like, guys. I, I don't care what you're eating, please. I... I watched a friend eat a spoonful of butter the other day. That that was terrifying. I didn't eat that <laughs> in my life. But nobody is worse than bourbons. Oh, the, my the, God. The, the and I, bourbon and I like bourbon. I oh. do like bourbon. I love bourbon. I, bourbon. I I've been introduced like, to a lot of really good bourbons. It's it's I'm one like, of oh, my favorites. I don't, I like, like, I don't like people like, talking about it. What kind of bourbon? I'm like, whatever you got, bro. I'm not here to be picky. Bourbon fanboys almost ruined bourbon for me, but what redeemed All the IPA fanboys moved over to bourbon? They did well. The, the, I, I'm not gonna lie. The best part, the thing that redeemed bourbon for me was <laughs> marrying. Uh, what was marrying my wife because so she used to run Bullet, right? Like that was her job. She was the 
she ran bullet for the states and so she knows she's forgotten more about bourbon than most bourbon fanboys will ever actually know and so I, I've been in rooms with her where someone's talking about how much they love bourbon and it's the same face that I make when I'm in a room with somebody who likes guns and they're talking about how much they like guns and I was like this is glorious. This is the best thing ever. I'm watching someone else have this. They're actually fucking great. We're watching not, dudes I'm try to alone. tell her. I'm not about, alone. My pain. Watching dudes try to tell her about bourbon, and she goes, "Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's I, really. I did you, not know that. How interesting." You know what her face looks like behind her face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I have been there. I have been that that yeah. person. Has been me. <laughs> Well, and like, and the one thing that I learned that really cracked me up is like 99% of the bourbons that have like some backstory about a recipe that was, you know, discovered in a barn under a shed from the Prohibition era. That's all made up. Yeah, yeah. Because all of it, they just people, made it up. The marketing department like, made it up. People and like legal. identifying with something, and if it has an interesting story, they have more to they have more to grab onto and can play with it than just like, oh, it tastes good. Which yeah. is now I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Anything from the Prohibition era, I want no part of. Like whatever we were doing then, as far as drinking was concerned, I no thank you. I'm not interested in with one caveat. Machine guns. No. Oh. Well, yeah, <laughs> yes. That was more on the getting the drink side. Not the drinking side, the getting the drink side. I love kitschy speakeasy bars we have one here where the front is a family restaurant and if you just go in there you can have a wonderful meal and no, have no idea but you literally like open what looks like an industrial freezer and in the back and just walk through into a speakeasy well, and I love that shit all the time because I feel like James Bond well I know I, I can think of two reasons why you're going to like the speakeasy one they always have truffle fries. And two, the bartender's always wearing a vest, which means you can take them. <laughs> <laughs> but, do they, but do they have the sawed-off double barrel? Uh, there's a... They're, they're one of my favorite bars in the world yeah, it's, it's is one of the in, it's a yeah. it just, and it just comes off yeah. and there's a shotgun one of my favorite <laughs> bars in the world no joke is in san antonio and it's a couple of it's a bit off the beaten path path off the river walk and it's in an old bank and it has like a vault door and everything and it's so great and all the bartenders are wearing vests it's just that the vest comment reminded me of that bar and i'm like man i should go back to san antonio sometime just, literally just to go to the bar not because, uh, not for any other reason. Um, so I, say, I think we've people right. should take this with a grain of salt because this conversation keeps coming back to uh, a theme, and I think we're all probably jaded by the fact that we don't actually want to talk to anyone about anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's my job to sir, talk to people, madam, too. madam, sir, sir, madam, madam, sir. You're peopling too close to me. Could right. you people elsewhere? That's 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 enough. I'm I'm, I, I'm 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 glad you think that your thing is cool. That is I I am really happy. Great. I am happy that you enjoy this. I'm I'm pleased for you. No, but that's true. Like, and it it is very much my job to talk to people about things. And uh, there's always that it gets to be work, guys. It gets to be work. It does. It it do be work. So. 
but and but I think the counter to that is that's why I'm always so excited when I get to talk to people about things that I'm passionate about that I'm not paid to talk about, like you know, cars or uh, you know, weird TV or like black and white TV shows, things you know that are very niche subjects that I'm really into. Like the whole Zorro serial is on Disney Plus, and it's so oh, fucking yeah. good. <laughs> um, anyway, but no, I think I think you know, kind of to put a bow on this conversation there's nothing wrong with being a fan of something and there's nothing wrong with being a passionate devoted fan of something and where we cross the line for being a fun devoted passionate fan into a weird creepy fanboy is how you react when people don't like your thing mm. be cool if somebody doesn't like hk 416s or they or they don't like scar 16s or they think that the tavor is a piece of junk it's fine Gotta throw that one in there. Gotta get the Tavor in there every episode. It's yeah, fine. Remember, remember the Israelis are getting rid of it. So. Right. Oh <laughs> man. Uh, but like seriously, like if somebody doesn't like your thing, it's okay for them to not like the thing. Unless you know that and that's work. I'll catch you guys later. Yep. Sorry. Hey, thanks um, to John from Philster for coming on the podcast. That was exciting. This episode not brought to you by Philster, but it could be. It, it could be. be. It could be. <laughs> but it could it's be. Not. That's John. that's still Gunsack Common Taurus. Yeah, yep, still both, guns that come they will support your filster. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, yeah, lots. We actually, you know, make guns that filster is in the process of making holsters for. So that's fun for everyone. Um, but anyway, guys, in all seriousness, like, be fans of stuff. Be passionate about the things that you like. Just be cool about it too. Accept that not everyone is going to share your passion. Okay, Keep I fun, even when people aren't sharing that fun the same way as you keep having right. fun and be cool to people who have other kinds of fun that's it yeah that's all that's all For, i mean just be fonzie everybody be cool let's be cool